Hi, guys. Sean and I have some exciting news. Uh, we have created official Twitter and Instagram accounts for the Oh, Mr. Sheffield podcast. It is at Oh, Mr. Chef pod on both platforms. And that is Oh, Mr. Chef with two Fs. So Oh, Mr. Chef pod. Check it out. Follow us. It's going to have all the latest and greatest from us about this show. Um, and we hope you like it. Now enjoy the episode. The Flushing Girl from Flushing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Meet uh, Miss Fine. Hello, and welcome to Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a podcast all about the 90s hit sitcom, The Nanny. I am your co-host, Sean Pasquale, here with my co-host, Miss Toria Sheffield. Hi, Toria. Oh, hello. I also, I think uh, I, I closed a pill bottle as you said the intro, so apologies, everyone, if you... That's why we record on two separate tracks so that I can silence yours when I'm speaking. Um, well, hello, everybody, though, and welcome. Um, this is episode two, Smoke Gets in Your Lies, which yes. is, first of all, it's the episode where Brighton gets caught smoking. Mm-hmm. But also, for those who don't know, that title is a play on a famous show tune, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes. Yes. Uh, yes. Just a... Written by Jerome Kern. Yeah, written in 1933, by the way. They're just one of each other. Jerome Kern, uh, famously, I guess the most famous show that he worked on is probably Showboat. And even now at this point, it's like, is that famous anymore? Who knows, right? There's uh, some Jerome Kern songs and Marvelous Miss Maisel uses it uh, Mm -hmm. in a couple episodes. But yeah, so Smoke Gets In Your Eyes is the original song. This is Smoke Gets In Your Lies. And... Yeah, I mean, it's an aptly named uh, title because it's about uh, Brighton smoking and Fran lying to try to cover up the fact that she sort of, uh, I don't want to say she encouraged him to smoke. She, so she glorifies smoking uh, in front of Brighton. And then this makes him be like, oh, cool boys smoke. So I'm going to smoke. So I'm a cool boy. Um, I mean, and that's like basically the setup, right? Yeah, it's exactly the setup. And it's important to note that that uh, happens with Val, you know, who is Fran's best friend throughout the series. She gets brought back in the second episode um, and seeing the mansion for the first time. And this is only important if you listen to our little um, interlude uh, that we posted before this, where we explained that we had initially watched the fourth episode second. And now that we've watched this in the accurate order, it makes so much sense that they brought Val back for this uh, and introduced her as a staple. But so, yeah, they have this conversation. They talk about the coolest kid back when they were kids. He's a smoker. And of course, young Brighton uh, takes that as inspiration. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I think we mentioned in the first episode how originally Val was actually supposed to be the person that stole Fran's boyfriend uh, the sort of impetus for her, you know, l- losing her job and then coming and becoming a nanny. Uh, and then they changed that. And I got to say, you know, again, I think good call because what would you have done? You know, it it's smart to have her have like a neighborhood friend who can come and sort of, well, well she does two things, Val, right? She like shows how... Fran is more refined, like even though Fran seems unrefined in the settings of the Sheffield home, uh, once you see Val, you realize like, oh, Fran is actually even more refined than maybe the people from her neighborhood. She's like 
the closest we're yeah. going to get. <laughs> yeah. And, and Val's played by Rachel Chagall, who... Uh, Steven Seagal's is- wife. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. That's actually confusing because it, it was Chagall, like the, like the Jewish painter. Oh. Chagall. Oh, okay. Um, boy. <laughs> Mitzing. Um, so... <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so we've got Val. She's instantly sort of this great comedic sidekick to Fran. Like, even the way they're walking around the room together is funny from a physical uh, comedy standpoint. Um, and another thing that uh, struck me, like, right off the bat of this episode is just, like, how many pop culture references they yes. just, like, throw in there. It's, like, within five minutes, it was a Jackie O joke, a Jerry Lewis joke. Uh, mm-hmm. There were several people that I had to Google. Uh, Ooh, tell because- me. Uh, not, well, oh, I'm so remember. curious who you were like, oh, I don't know I this one. Google. Uh, I don't know anymore. I instantly, I Google okay. and then it instantly forgot. And then immediately <laughs> forgot what you were Googling. Yep, yep, yep. Um, well, one that came later, I definitely forgot. But, um, and then essentially, like in this episode, we also see that Fran is, she's clearly different than all of these kids' previous nannies because there's this great scene where Brighton comes home with a note from his headmaster and he's basically thinking he's going to trick Fran into signing it without knowing what she's signing. And she literally, you know, she grabs a note from his hand and is like, I'm so many steps ahead of you, kid. I'm in a different time zone. Um, And so it's like, yeah, it's a great line. And it's almost like, oh, Brighton realizes he kind of met his match um, in someone who's like, more actually more street smart and more conniving than he is yeah um, well, that, that picks up on a on a thread from the first episode which is their first encounter where he like comes in pretending to be dead and she's just like do you have a pen like she sees right through his ruse yeah and then this sort of like continues on that and the idea that like yeah she's like she is she's 10 steps ahead of him she's she's maybe tried all of these tricks in her life <laughs> and so she knows where he's going um and it's yeah. great. It's a great way to build the bond between the two of them. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, cause she doesn't really, I mean, I guess she sort of mothers him, but like, you know, she kind of gets in there in the same way she's doing with grace as more of like a friend. Um, mm-hmm. And just someone who's like, not going to like fall for his like BS. It's, it's, yeah. great. it's great. It's great characterization. She also has a line in that scene where uh, it's like she realizes she's going to be in like a lot of trouble with Mr. Sheffield because she sort of encouraged, <clears throat> you know, or glorified the smoking. And, um, <laughs> and she says, Oh no, just when I found out that the bidet is in a water fountain, which <laughs> I wrote that, I wrote that exact line down to bring I, up later. I, I laughed out loud. <laughs> <laughs> like as a potential, like favorite line when we do that segment, I was like, Oh God, like, so funny. So, so funny. good. So um, good. But yeah. But so again, for just to refresh people's memories, uh, she like Brighton basically says, like, if you tell my dad about this, he's going to know that I got the idea from you. And so you're going to go down with me, yep. which leads to this big conflict, internal conflict for Fran in the episode where she's like, do I do I lie or do I tell Mr. Sheffield and jeopardize my job? Um, and she there there's also this B plot of the episode that basically like Mr. Sheffield never has enough time to hang out with his kids. And, um, wait, no, I'm confusing this with a different episode. You're gonna have to <clears throat> yeah, no, this episode, the B plot is he's trying, he's, he's very unavailable because they're trying to cast 
a star for their new new musical. And so he is just auditioning people and they're the, him and Cece are very, very busy. And so oh, this, no, no, then this is, I am, then this is exactly what I was thinking. I, I thought I was wrong, but I was right. Never doubt myself is the lesson here. I, mean, but, um, I don't know. Were you? Never, ever. Um, oh, I'm always right. Um, but basically, <laughs> So this leads to, so, so basically, you know, there's this B-plot of Mr. Chuffield never has enough time to spend with his kids. And this weekend he's busy auditioning people for his musical, as Sean said. And then basically Fran decides she is going to tell him about the smoking. Like she's going to do the right thing. But when she goes in to try to tell him, he's basically like, Miss Fine, I don't have time for this. Deal with it yourself. And so she kind of uses that as this opportunity to like not do the thing that she knows is right. right. And she feels really bad about it um and this is when we get our yiddish phrase of the episode yep uh which i mean like maybe we can save it but i i don't want to say it it's such a great one um she it's a boobomizer um well first we actually get two right because i've heard the evil eye before that's something my my great grandma my nanny used to say she used to say oh you'll get the evil eye (coughs) so I had initially wrote down evil eye and I was like, whoa, I've heard that before. That's crazy. Uh, but then we get some actual Yiddish, which is, yeah, Bubba, the, the Bubba Meister. <laughs> yes, which is Yiddish for old wives tale. And yeah. it orig- and like Bubba is like basically grandma. So it's yeah. kind of like an old grandma's tale. And so basically, you know, she feels that like if she, because she lied, something bad will happen to her. And then then she kind of tries to alleviate her fears by saying, oh, no, it's just that's just an old Bubba Meister. Right. Um, at which point I think a painting like promptly falls and she, right, right. she, she feels extra guilty. Um, and of course, you know, Mr. Sheffield eventually finds out, uh, what went on. Uh, I think yes. it's like the next day of breakfast. In, in a weird scene where they all sit down for breakfast and, um, Niles, sir, Niles, no, <laughs> Niles? no, Niles, Niles, right? Niles. <laughs> I, 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 I was this like, is, wait, this is a nanny podcast, right? <laughs> not the, not Frasier, right? Um, so, so they all sit down at the table and then they're getting served breakfast. And then, <laughs> and then like, it turns out that they're going to uh, now tell the truth about what happened. And Mr. Sheffield goes, girls, you can be excused. And the daughters get up and leave, but they hadn't been served any food. <laughs> and it's this weird beat where they're just like, okay, bye. And it's like, wait, why are they not getting breakfast? They didn't smoke. <laughs> well, this kind of also, I, I have a note in some later episodes, but it works for literally every time we see them eating breakfast. Have you have you noticed the breakfast spread in this show? Yes. Like, it is like baskets of Danishes and muffins and like just the fanciest pastries, but more than like any family of five could ever actually eat. Yes. And then there'll be like a quiche and then there'll be like a pie and then Niles will be serving eggs and bacon. And it's just every time I, I think is this really how the other half lives? Me too. I, it makes you go like, are they just like exaggerating for the purposes of like, you know, like comedic exaggeration or are there people that truly like a family of five that makes like enough of a like food that there's an actual buffet set up for them to eat from. And then what do they do with the food that doesn't get eaten? It just all gets thrown away. Like they give it to the staff, I guess. I, I, I don't I know. I mean, the staff is Niles. <laughs> He's shoveling all that food down. 
yeah. after every, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's, a, <laughs> it's a very minor point and it's definitely not one. I think they hoped we would ever fixate on, but I notice it every time. It's the picky. Um, um, there's also a great, uh, staying in the, in that breakfast scene, uh, you get a great classic nineties, Bill Clinton. I didn't inhale joke. Yes. Uh, which I guess if you're in the nineties and you're writing about someone smoking something, how do you not make a, I didn't inhale joke, but it did make me think like, okay, this show was a hit, right? Like it, it like it did well. It, it got a bunch of seasons. A lot of people watched it. So like clearly being so um, referential, you know, worked in their benefit, but it made me think like, Hmm. But in hindsight, it just all feels so like eye-rolly and dated. So like, is it something you think like writers should avoid like now? Like, 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 do, do we learn from the errors of our ways and go like, oh, these shows are going to live. Like now we know these shows could potentially live forever in perpetuity on some streaming platform. Whereas before it was like, after the show was done, you maybe got a DVD release. And it's like, do we, do we, as writers, do we write with the idea of like that evergreenness in mind mm. and maybe tone back the referential, like, you know, like very dated jokes? Uh, I think you have to strike a happy medium uh, creatively because on the one hand, if you're like, if you're always thinking in terms of, but will this be funny in 30 years? Like you're just so restricted and some of the like sharpest stuff you have might not be possible. And on the other hand, like, you know, you don't want to, <laughs> Maybe go for like, you know, a joke involving Ben Affleck, not like, you know, um, that asshole on YouTube who keeps getting in trouble. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. Well, like, it's also like maybe you go for like, <clears throat> like, uh, like I, I guess a Bill Clinton joke works, but like does a very specific I didn't inhale joke work you know like okay yeah bill clinton's always gonna have been a president forever but like will people in 30 years know like i didn't inhale as like a reference or like is that gonna be completely law you know like if we showed this to a 15 year old kid are they gonna is that gonna be a reference that's completely lost on them i think go for it and i think i think that the uh i think what has been successful sort of like the proof is in the pudding like look at the simpsons like that's almost all referential and and that's one of the most successful comedies in history um and you kind of you know right for the people who are watching i think um yeah no that's a good point see this is why i've never made it as a successful sitcom writer (laughs) because i'm always like no the jokes have to all be evergreen (laughs) Um, Um, all right so what else happens in this episode it's it's interesting how some of these episodes are um like the plots are very, very thin. They're very, very simple plots. And everything, it's all just like a mechanism for like how many jokes per commercial break can we fit in. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah. I mean, I even have a note where I'm like, this is 
of all the episodes we've seen so far, because we watched a little ahead, this is the simplest because it also gets resolved really quickly. Like basically, you know, after Fran and Mr. Sheffield initially fight about this, because he's like, how could you have given this boy this idea? He, he ultimately says something like, uh, you know, no, it's really not your fault. Um, let's try to teach him a lesson. And then like within five minutes, they teach Brighton a lesson. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and this is, this is a very important part though, because this is the first introduction of, uh, grandma Yetta, which is, uh, Sylvia's, uh, mother. So it's, it's Fran's, uh, grandmother. Um, and Yetta comes back a bunch of times and she's portrayed here by uh, Anne uh, Gilbert, right? Uh, who was only like, I think like, I don't know, maybe like five years younger than, I, than the lady I who plays 12, Fran's mom. She's 12 <laughs> years older than the actress who plays Fran's mom. Um, and, which is like, you know what? It's the classic Sean Connery, Harrison Ford. Uh, yeah. We've, we've seen it before. And it's just yeah. it's mama's family. Yeah. <laughs> you know? well, and they play her very, very, I mean, she's played like this fragile. She's like, <laughs> she's like coughing. And, you know, and, and of course that's the lesson is, is that, you know, she's, she's a smoker. And then she takes Brighton to go see uh, another woman in the old age home who like coughs up phlegm a lot. And so they're going to like yeah. gross her out smoking. Yeah. Um, so the, yeah, the lesson is basically let's go take Brighton to meet my grandmother who is disgusting because she smoked her whole life and all these yeah. other old people who smoke. Um, and what we, and we also breezed over this really uh, big cameo in this episode because yeah. uh, when Fran goes to talk to Mr. Sheffield, he's with CC auditioning people for this musical. And that is when we see uh, Carol Channing. Very briefly. Like the perfect, he goes like, he goes like, if only we could find someone who's like very well known on Broadway and is a good singer and has like a crazy personality. And then they're like, okay, next. And then Carol Channing walks out and then she goes like, I, and then they're like, next. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they think Fran comes in and like acknowledges that she's Carol Channing, but never says her name. She comes in and she's like, oh my God, I love you. And she's like, thanks. And then she's like, you know, okay, goodbye. And then that's yeah. it. And she leaves. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, this is another way that the show really, um, it, it, there's a, an element of like a love letter to musical theater um, throughout this whole series. And, yeah. you know, like if you're not a Broadway or musical theater person, you're going to have no idea who that is. Um, I, yeah. I have the note, Sean, did you just J in your P? I did. And <laughs> I wrote the note. Literally, I wrote, this show marries musical theater and Jewish humor. And that's why I love it. um but so you know we have that little like deliciousness happening in this episode and then we have we have the resolution coming fairly quickly with very little drama although um before this in the episode mr sheffield and fran do have this sort of like Oh, it's like a married couple fight, you know? He's yes. like, I can't believe you let this happen. And she's like, you're off with your fancy musical people theater while I'm here raising the children. And, you know, He's it's like, that's uh, literally your job. Yes. <laughs> yes. But we get our first taste of like their dynamic post pilot, which yeah. is, you know, very quickly a couple, um, even though yeah. they're not technically romantic. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think, <clears throat> I mean, I think the show, even from the pilot was setting up, like these two people are going to be together eventually. And, and this just sort of, you know, follows on that, you know, that groundwork that was laid and kind of shows that Fran, 
like at one point she gets like very informal with him and then she like quickly is like i mean mr sheffield sir and she like mm-hmm. you know corrects herself because she's like oh right i'm still an employee here but you can already see he he doesn't correct her she corrects herself and you can already see there's like this familiarity that like he's allowing from you know what's essentially an employee um you for whatever reason maybe because he likes her because just she's she's you know charming or you know she's got uh you know something about her obviously yeah i mean um and yeah so it's like and that's really like again it's simple it gets resolved it's really fun and delightful um and I'm looking now back at like my favorite part slash lines, which is something that we like to go over each week. And we already, we already did. Um, he's going to fire me just when I learned the bidet wasn't a water fountain, but there is a line uh, that I really loved and I loved the de- delivery. And it actually came from Gracie of all people who again okay. is the youngest child. It's early on in the episode when they established that Mr. Sheffield is like never home because he's working all the time. She goes, maybe daddy's seeing other people. Oh no, sorry. It's maybe daddy's seeing other. Yeah, no, it was, it was like, maybe daddy's seeing other children. Um, and it was like with such genuine fear and concern. And it's, it almost really felt like her acting had definitely turned a corner from when we saw her in the pilot. Um, yeah, she, she, she definitely figures out this character in this episode and she starts nailing all of her line delivery. Um, She's not like <clears throat> doing this like overacty like um like so edgy thing. She does she delivers it more like <coughs> she's sorry. She's like a um she's she's pulling she's pulling off the precocious child who's like beyond her years a little bit better here. Yes, and the neurotic for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Um yeah, I mean we you know that the the bidet the bidet line is 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 maybe my favorite. I also liked you know, there's, there's, there's like some really good, um, there's some really good Val stuff. Um, I, I like the, uh, <laughs> I really like the bad, bad Leroy Brown reference, <laughs> which is like, again, feels like, man, that's a, I guess that's a joke that you would have gotten in the nineties because it was a popular oldie at that point. But now that song is like 50 mm. years old probably old i mean it's not older older, yeah. older. it's, it's got to be like 70 years old yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna google Hold on. google that so yeah so the line is she goes um she they're talking about you know these uh these like bad boys they knew when they were in school and she says oh yeah oh and now they're all taken and val says you remember lenny and fran goes sure lenny brown baddest man in the whole oh no wait that was leroy and it's just like <laughs> I don't know how you would I don't even know how you get to that joke like unless you're working for it like you know um, um also you were right it actually came out in 1973 which is literally like 15 years later than I would have guessed so yeah you're right it's around the 50 year mark yeah it's about point. 50 years old yeah it's all right all right yeah. that's crazy I'm gonna hand this one to you um but no yeah it's definitely one of those jokes where it's like someone had that in a in a drawer and was waiting for her. They also make uh, a hand that rocks the cradle uh, reference, uh, which yeah, was funny to me because the kid is in uh, uh, Gracie was in hand that rocks the cradle. Um, the actress, and, not the character. And, okay. And yeah. And that is <laughs> also in, no, Maggie was in Beethoven, not Gracie, but um, yeah. 
that was one of the references that I Googled was the actress that they referenced. Rebecca from DeMornay. Yeah, she goes, mm-hmm. oh, I'm the worst daddy in the world. All right, Rebecca DeMornay than me, which was a great <laughs> line because the Hand That Rocks the Cradle had probably just come out. And like, I guess if you don't know, and you're watching this or you're listening to this podcast to understand more of the references in the show because you're young. Hi, welcome. Uh, Hand the Rocks to Cradle was about a um, crazy uh, live-in nanny that like gets obsessed, I think, with the husband. And like, she, I, the only thing I remember from that movie, I saw it when I was very young on HBO. I was probably too young to see it. And I remember there's a scene where Rebecca Mornay breastfeeds this <gasps> woman's baby. And like, I was young enough that I was like, ooh, boobs. And then she like puts the baby to her breast and I knew it wasn't her baby. And I was immediately like, oh, I shouldn't be watching this. I don't know what's going on, but this is all like, this is bad things. Um, that's all I remember from that movie. And then she also- remembers boobs and bad vibes. Yeah, well, and also she murders someone in a greenhouse and they get killed. She like breaks the glass of the greenhouse and, like ceiling and it like falls on this lady. And I remember also being like, Oh, that's seared into my brain forever. Yeah, no, that was a very like um, fatal attraction slash basic instinct kind yes. of era of movies that yeah, I thrillers, also remember. 90s thrillers. Ooh, yeah, and like they really went for for things that just you know you can't unsee. Uh, but anyway, so that was, and now we're in the uh, hand that rocks the cradles cast. <laughs> but um, cradle cast, yeah, cradle cast. We talk about references that Fran me. We only do podcasts about 90s things that involve nannies. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, I guess that means we've about run out of steam. What What other um, – do we have other uh, – we, so, we did yeah. the Yiddish. We did the, we did the Yiddish. I the, think uh, we don't really need to do who's the freer and who's the CC in this episode because CC's not in it at a time. But I will grace you with a nanny fact that um, I think is pretty pertinent to this episode or just interesting. So – Initially, the producers, I'm reading this from uh, IMBD, by the way, producers planned to make the main character of Fran an Italian-American, but Drescher wanted the character to remain Jewish. The character of Val, however, is Italian-American, even though Rachel Chagall, the actress, is actually Jewish. So it just, it kind of blows my mind that, you know, so much of what we talk about in this podcast in terms of like what makes this great is Fran's Jewishness. And um, it's just so crazy that that might've been different. That the network wanted to take that away. Yeah. And also like, Oh, you can't have a whole shoe with a Jew star. Ooh, a a filthy Jewish show. Um, (laughs) Sir, aren't you Jewish? (laughs) Yeah, but exactly. That's why I'm a little baffled. Like why, um, the many Jewish execs would not have wanted Fran to remain Jewish. It makes They're like, we already get enough hate. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Um, But yeah, so even, and I didn't realize that Val was Italian and not also Jewish, but um, at least as a character, but um, it was interesting. And it's, it's very similar to the nanny fact of last week where we talked about how um, Maggie, the eldest almost did not exist. Um, And you're kind of like, wow, this show why? Would have been so different and yeah. and not as good. Um, um, I'll also say, uh, I think I'm the Fran and you're the CC in this episode because Fran smoked and I smoke and uh, or I smoked and um, and CC's boring and you're boring. Uh, <laughs> no, you know kidding. what? No, no, no. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. You know me. I am afraid of substances. I know. Well, that's that's uh, the, that was the only that was the because I was trying to. Now I'm watching these episodes and trying to make the connection. Um, mm-hmm. and, 
and 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 that was the only connection that I could draw between between the two of us and you these characters because I was like, oh, another, I did use to smoke. <laughs> and another connection um, is that even though I think I'm objectively uh, the person that tries to do things right more. It's like you have failed upward. Because Cece, yeah, like, you know, like Cece friend. like has the right, she's doing it all right. She is, she's from the right people. Um, yeah, but, is, but she, is she doing it right though? She's like kind of miserable. Right. She's not yeah, just, just she's like not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it works, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a downer. Um, listen, I, what would you rate this episode uh, on the t- based on the two we've seen so far? How, where would you where would you put this one um, above or below the pilot? I think actually below. Same, same. I think I think out of out of two, uh, not as strong as the pilot, but pretty good. I would definitely, I would, you know, like ah, that was cute, you know, um, yeah. but not as strong as the pilot, not as funny as the pilot, uh, certainly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we're a little biased because we watched ahead, and I think we loved the next couple episodes that were they were very strong. So I think yeah. that's probably also clouding my judgment a little bit. That's true. Um, but any, but that's it for this week. Um, yes. We're hoping to keep these kind of short and sweet um, yes. so that you can, um, you know, move on with your lives and your days. <laughs> um, yeah, we want to keep you here forever. You're not uh, our captive. <laughs> um, but I will um, say this: we can now say. Go to anchor.fm slash the nanny pod and you can do this cool thing where you can click on a little button and leave us a voicemail. Maybe give us your best Fran Fine Mr. Sheffield impressions and we'll play all the funny ones on the show. So yeah, go to anchor.fm slash the nanny pod. Um, yeah. Well, thank you guys. Yeah, thank this, you. Yeah, and we will see you next week. That's right, with more the nanny. The flashing girl from flashing. Name Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine. <laughs> <laughs>